awakening the warrior within. All the warriors go, I got a few warriors in the house. I don't know the official sound of a warrior, uh, but there is a war cry, amen? Uh, And so God has raised us up as a part of an army of faith to not only do battle against the powers of darkness, but to bring about a great victory in people's lives. How many of you know there are people that are worth fighting for? Aren't you appreciative of those who fought in your behalf? Not just uh, in our uh, present day world of of paying a price for us militarily and, and laying their lives on the altar, but listen... Jesus paid a great price so we could go out and, and, and win the battle, if you will, in behalf of our brothers and sisters. And so I'm appreciative of those who prayed for me, for those who paid a price for me, those who paved the way so I could be and, and do and be what God has called me to, to be and accomplish what He's called us to accomplish. Amen. And so we were talking about the warrior within and how we need to awaken to that reality And then we kind of spun off and began to talk about the warrior's weapons. How many of you know every warrior needs weapons? And so we've talked about three, but I want to, before I talk about them, I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 this morning. This is kind of our keynote verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 says this, The weapons of our warfare are what? They're not carnal, but what? They're mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds. Let's read this together. Everyone together. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And so we've got weapons, and I've given you three already, and I'm going to give you one more very important one, and I, I'm sure that we could continue to discuss added spiritual weaponry, but if you take these four that uh, I'm giving you, you'll be really equipped to wage war in the heavenlies and be a part of God's ultimate victory that we're going to talk about tonight, pardon me, today. The first one we talked about was the warrior's worship. Second Chronicles 20, 22, Jehoshaphat. Oh, it's a great story. I would encourage you to not only go back and read the story, but uh, you could go back into our iTunes catalog on our website, and you could, uh, you could listen to the message, and hopefully in the not-too-distant future, we'll be archiving actual video log of our... We'll be videoing as well as live-streaming our Sunday services, and so we're hoping to be able to uh, get that uh, tool uh, available to you soon. But right now, you can get the audio, and you can learn that worship wages war against the powers of darkness. Amen. Uh, and then we talked about the warrior sword or the word of God. Paul the apostle said in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And my wife mentioned the series, the Wednesday night series. I want to encourage you to plug in, get involved. Last week, Josh did a wonderful job talking about how we can study and how we can grow and how we can tap into the Word of God. And Ryan's going to continue along that vein. And and then Kobe's going to be here on the first Sunday of October, pardon me, the first Wednesday of October. He's going to talk to you about the authority of Scripture. You don't want to miss. Those are some great tools that you're going to get to be able to wield the sword against the powers of darkness in your life. Jesus did that in the wilderness when he was being tempted by the devil. What did he say every time the devil came and tempted him? He said, it is written. Everybody say, it is written. 
It is written, I'll never forget a young boy at our church in Quitman. He's grown now. His name was Samuel Statzer. He, he, he said this. When he first got a hold of it, he had a little speech deal. He said, it is written, devil. He, he just wanted to give the devil a, a hard time with the word of God. And I, you know what? That's the sword of the spirit. That is the power of God's word. Uh, and then last week, I would encourage you again, if you missed last week, tap into this because we talked about the warrior's prayers. And how we need to be praying responsibly. Be responsible prayer warriors and praying the right kind of prayers. And so those are weapons of our warfare. And according to 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, they, they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Listen today, we serve a victorious Savior. And as we'll look today, uh, as I introduce the, the, the final topic, we'll realize that in the end of days, we will come out on top. How many of you know we are victorious? Look at your neighbor and say, you're a part of a winning team. And we really are. And so today I want to introduce to you our final weapon of our warfare. Uh, and let me just, as uh, you're turning to Revelation chapter 12, you can turn there. Let me say next Sunday, I'm beginning another series, and this may go for a while. I'm pretty stirred. I talked to our, some of our leaders this morning about it. It's the disciple. Everyone say the disciple. We're starting a series next Sunday called the disciple, what it really means to follow Jesus. Jesus said we're to be making disciples. He said, I'll build my church, you make disciples. We got it turned around. We spend all our time trying to build the church and, and, and not make disciples. If I, I really believe if we'll become, begin to be disciples and begin to follow after Christ and begin, begin to be what God wants us to be, he'll begin to build his church in a way that we've never dreamed. We get it right. How many of you want to get it right? You know, there's some things in our life that may be wrong. I think before we, we leave planet Earth, we ought to get it right. There's some things we need to get right. And I think we need to, as a church, do our best to get it right. And, and obey the word of the Lord. So it's the disciple. Everyone say to the disciple. Did you know there are believers that are not disciples? And so we're going to talk about that. So that's next Sunday. What it really means to follow Jesus. And now today our final weapon of our warfare is the warrior's witness. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 is a prophetic insight to the end of days. And I love this. If you've ever read Revelation, it can get a little overwhelming. You think about what does that mean? What does that, what does this mean? Well, it's all a revelation of Jesus. In fact, the first verse or two of Revelation, it says it's a revelation of Jesus. Listen, when you look at the Word of God, in fact, uh, uh, Josh said this Wednesday night, from, from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. You did know that, didn't you? And so as we get to the end of the book, as we get to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. And here's what it says about him and about us at the end of days. It's a prophetic insight about you and me. How many of you know Jesus prophesied about you? How many of you know the Revelation is a prophecy about Je And we are there. How many of you appreciate the fact you made it to the end of the book? Amen. And here's what he says. In fact, I was going to, I want to give you a little context. I didn't turn there. I was going to just read this scripture, but let me go and give you a little better context because it says this. Oh gosh, verse seven. This is this. Now these verses, uh, have a lot of time span in them. Uh, and so uh, the, you it starts at the really kind of the beginning and then goes to, to the end of days here on earth. It says, and war broke out in heaven and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Somebody say amen. Aren't you glad of that? 
so the great, it says they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. And here's who he's talking about. The serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. How many of you know he led a rebellion? He led a rebellion and, and he, he actually, uh, you know, uh, some would say a third of the angels fell. And, and they, they were no longer angels at that point. And then he says, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength. I love this declaration. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength. And the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. Verse 11, catch this. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Somebody say amen. It says, and they overcame him. Who is him? Well, let's begin. Who is they? That's us. That's the church. The church is a victorious church. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of a losing team. I want to be a part of a victorious team. And according to the prophetic insight, and according to the prophecy of Jesus in Matthew 16, did you know what Jesus said? I inferred it, I mentioned it a few moments ago, and the story is this. He was asking his disciples, who, who do you say that I am? Who do men say that I am? Well, they said, some say you're this, Elijah, or none of the prophet. He said, who do you say that, that I am? And, and Peter, the fisherman, stood up or, or spoke up and said, well, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, you got a revelation from God. And he said, on this revelation, I will build my church. Jesus said, I'll build my church. And then he said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now that's where if I were you, just because I thought that's pretty cool, I would have said, amen. I'll give you another shot. He said this to Peter and to his disciples. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm telling you, we belong to a victorious church. We just need to begin acting like it. And he says this in Revelation. He says this about the church. They overcame. That's us. We're overcomers. Look at your neighbor and say, we're overcomers. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Everyone say the blood of the lamb. But then the second part was the word of their testimony. And it says they love not their lives unto death. They is the church. Him is the great dragon, the devil, Satan, the deceiver, the accuser of the brethren. And it says we overcome him by the blood of the lamb. Now that little word by means on the account of because of or on the account of have you ever if you've ever said this just don't tell me but it's a little flawed theology we as pentecostals have a way of kind of creating our own theology sometimes have you ever about ever heard anybody and they're talking and man oh the you know the, this is going on oh woe is me and somebody pipes up and says well we just need to plead the blood over that anybody ever heard that let me just tell you something you don't you don't need to plead the blood the blood's already been shed He's already done his part. Amen? And his blood has been shed and the victory. How many of you know when he said, it is finished? In other words, it has been accomplished. And so it's, we, we are victorious according to this Revelation passage. 
in behalf of and because of what Christ did through the shedding of his blood. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But then there's a secondary part called the word of their testimony. You see, just because Jesus shed his blood on the cross, it doesn't mean that, hey, his part is accomplished. Now we have our responsibility. That's why we're still here. He said, the church that I build will be victorious. And our responsibility, as we'll learn more and more in a few moments, is on is because of of the what Christ has done on the cross, we are to be men and women of great testimony, men and women of great witness. In fact, what did Jesus say to the first century church after the church was birthed? What did he say? He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And when the promise comes, the Holy Spirit comes, you'll receive power to be my church members. You'll receive power to be my small group leaders. You'll receive power to be my, what? Witnesses. Somebody say witnesses. You'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so we have a great responsibility to, to, to step into the role that God has called us to step into. And because of the blood of Jesus, of what has already happened on Calvary's cross over 2,000 years ago. We've got a testimony. We've got something to share. You see, I want you to know about Calvary. Before I get to the word of the testimony, listen, we just got, we got to embrace Calvary for a moment. Calvary, the blood of the Lamb that was shed for us. It's the cornerstone of ultimate victory in our life. We need to thank God for the blood of Jesus. We need to thank God for what He's done for us. It was God's ultimate victory. In fact, the Bible says, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, it said, had the powers of darkness known what was really going on at Calvary, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't realize that what they were doing was going to be turned back on their own heads. In fact, the first chapter of Hebrews says, he brought to, Jesus brought to nothing the powers of darkness. We need to embrace that and, and, and stand in our victory. You see, listen, Jesus already has won the victory. We just need to get under the banner of what he's already accomplished in our behalf and begin to tell people about it. Could I get a better amen? And so we thank God for the blood of Jesus. In fact, uh, gosh, I've got a little time. Let me just do this quickly. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to show you this. I want to lay a little foundation for you. I want you to see the gospel here for a moment. Paul the apostle understood what Christ has done for us. He called it the good news. Everyone say the good news. Let me show you something. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Everyone say the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. Everybody, everybody say, I'm saved because of the gospel. Now he's about to tell us what the gospel is. If you hold fast, you're saved. If you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, for I deliver you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, there's the blood, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And everybody said amen. And then if we had time, I'd love to read all of this to you. But it, he, he talks about if Christ be not risen, our faith is in vain. Uh, but then he says in verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead. Somebody say amen. And then he goes on to say that because of his resurrection, there's still a battle going on. And that's the last enemy, verse 26. 
It says, verse 25, he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And then if you get down to the last part of the chapter, I love it. We share it a lot at funerals, but he talks about the, the, the return of Jesus Christ and the, and the rapture of the church. And he says, our flesh must put on, uh, our corruptible flesh must put on incorruption and death is swallowed up in what? Somebody say, death is swallowed up in victory. And then he says, verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So what's Paul doing? He's saying, listen, because of Calvary, because of the blood, because of the shed blood, because of the death burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are on the winning side. And there will be an ultimate day when he returns, when the death, when, when death will be no more. And the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. I'm telling you, what a glorious day. And he says, how's that all going to happen? And how did it happen? It happened through Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God that we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now today, quickly, as some bullet points. I just want you to embrace the power of the blood. And then we're going to talk about the word of your testimony. But we've got to talk about what he did for us. The blood of Jesus. You know, number one, the blood of Jesus. We've learned this and scripture teaches this from all sides. The blood of Jesus has redeemed us. Everyone who's been redeemed, say amen. Oh, I wish I had time to comment here a little more. Needless to say, Ephesians 1, 7 says this. In him, we have redemption through his blood. His blood was the price. Peter says we've not been redeemed with corruptible things like the blood of bulls and goats, but we've been redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb. Somebody say amen. I've been redeemed. I've been paid for. I'm paid in full. In fact, did you know when Jesus said it is finished, did you know that the, the, the Greek rendering is this? Paid in full. Somebody say it's, we've been paid for. Whew. You don't have to pay for your sin. You've been redeemed. Number two, we learn that the blood of Jesus cleansed us. Oh, many places in Scripture, but Revelation 1.5 says, To Him who washed us from our sins in His own blood. His blood, oh precious is the flow, that washes me white as snow. His blood redeemed us. His blood cleansed us. Number three, his blood restored us into right relationship with God. Hebrews 10, 19 says this, because of the blood, it says we have boldness to enter into the holiest place, into the presence of God. Because of the blood, our relationship with God has been restored. We're not separated anymore. We can step right into his presence because of the blood. And when he sees us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the blood. Oh, what a great victory Jesus won for us through the shedding of his blood. He redeemed us. He cleansed us. He restored us. And I love this one. He pardoned us. How many of you know what a pardon is? You know, you've seen this before. Our governors and, the, and even our president uh, have the capacity to pardon people. It means that really in, in all reality, their offense has been, has been completely removed. And he's been pardoned. That means, hey, you're guilty, but today I declare you no more guilty and you don't have to serve your sentence because you are now pardoned. You are as if you never did what you've been convicted of doing. 
We've been pardoned. I love that. Somebody say, thank God for the blood. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 26 when he was taking, as, as we've done here and we do every month, uh, the, the first Lord's table he, he, in reference to the blood. He said, this is my blood. When he lifted the cup, he said, this is my blood which is shed for many for the remission of sin. That word remission means for the pardon of sin. He said, I'm pardoning their sin because of the blood. Everybody say, I've been redeemed. Everybody say, I've been cleansed. Everyone say, I've been restored. Say, I've been pardoned because of the blood. That's what he did for us. And finally, as we've read in Revelation 12, 11, the blood of Jesus has defeated the enemy for us. Thank God for the blood. It says that that church, which is us, how many of you know we're living in the last days? The church that Jesus builds is a victorious church. His part was the blood of Jesus. Our part is the word of our testimony. I want to talk to you today about your testimony, about the word of our testimony. That's our part. You see, Jesus did his part. We have a responsibility to do our part. Our testimony, our witness is so powerfully important in these last days. There are people all around us who need the witness of the Word of God in our life. They need the witness and the testimony of the power of the blood to to cleanse us, to redeem us, to restore us, to pardon us, and to defeat the devil in our behalf. You see, Calvary was Christ's part. The shedding of His blood was His part. He said, it is finished. I did my part. But it says about that church that they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's our part. You see, a testimony is someone who has been given witness, who has been a witness to something. And so they have a testimony. They have something to say. I love 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, and then chapter 4, verse 14. He talks about this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, you know what? We've seen, we've witnessed, we've heard. In fact, he said, our hands have handled of the word of life. We've got something to say because of the fact that we have had an, a relationship, an interaction. We, we have a witness to the power of Christ and what He's done for us. And in fact, chapter 4, verse 14, and 1 John says, And we have seen and do testify. Everyone say, have seen. And then what do we do? We testify. We have seen and do testify that the Father, that is God, has sent His Son, that is Jesus, as the Savior of the world. John said we've seen, we've touched, we've handled the word of life. And because of that relationship, because of what we've experienced, we have a testimony. And our testimony is true. And our testimony is right. I think about the one that was healed in the first early parts of the book of Acts and he was healed. I think he would, might have been blind. and Yeah, he was blind. And, and the religious people got all shook up. They were trying to squelch the New Testimony. They were trying to squelch the, the, the witness of what was going on. And they grabbed this one who was blind, who had been healed. And they, they started talking religion to him and threatening him. He said, well, all I, I, I just got to tell you. Here's my testimony. That once I was blind, but now I see. Now that's a testimony. He was testifying to the reality of what was going on and what had happened in his life. 
And my friend, all of us have a testimony and all of us have a responsibility. And as we'll learn in this new series next Sunday about the disciple, there's a few things that are so vitally important. Disciples are followers of Jesus, but they're also fishers of men. You're not really a disciple until you you started fishing for others. And that's what the Bible is teaching here, that the responsibility of the church and the responsibility of us as God's people is to testify to the reality of Christ in our life. What's your testimony? What's your story? Well, my story hasn't all been told. Listen, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, you've got a story to tell. You've got a testimony. You've got a history of Jesus Christ and how he's made a difference in your life. And listen, that word of your testimony is so vitally important to moving you and your family and to leading others into the victory that they have in Christ. They overcame him, that is the devil, the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they love not their lives unto death. Today we live in a church and we live in a culture where most of us are concerned about their own lives. Their own circumstances, the the scenario of, hey, as long as I'm blessed, you know, how many of you thank God for the blessings of God? But listen, Jesus didn't die just so you'd be blessed on earth. Jesus died. In fact, one of the things we're going to learn about the disciple uh, next Sunday and in the week, hey, Jesus said, you know what, you got to deny yourself and come away and follow me. In other words, hey, discipleship is not about, uh, about me, it's about denying me. Amen? Now I hope you come back next week. But hey, if you want to be a part of the winning team, we've got to become disciples. We've got to follow Jesus. And we've got to fish for men. We've got to fellowship with one another and plug in together. And together, it didn't say, and he overcame him. It says they overcame him. How many of you know victory is a corporate effort? Everybody say victory is a corporate effort. It really is. The word of our testimony. Now I want to talk to you about your testimony just for a few moments. About the the nature of an effective testimony. Your witness today. Number one, listen, this is so important. You need to realize this. Your testimony is vital. Everyone say it's vital. There's some, you ever heard about your vital signs? I got the doc in the house. Doc, there's a few vital signs. Hey, aren't you glad when they check your pulse you got one? That's a vital sign. You know, I know some people, I've met people that I swear they didn't have blood running through their veins. They were cold. But all of us have vital signs. And listen, the vital sign of a disciple and someone who's following Christ is their testimony. In fact, it's vital. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, it basically says this. It's part of what some have called the Roman road. It says, uh, how are they going to believe in him and whom they've not heard? How are they going to hear without a preacher? In other words, our testimony is vital. Listen, contrary to common belief, most people are not born again by osmosis. Many of us believe that just because we're believers and we go to work every day that everybody in our workplace by osmosis are going to get the message of the gospel and be born again. Not true. It's our testimony. It's the life we live, but also the the declaration of our life and and the declaration of our work. How are they going to believe in him in whom they've not heard? You see, the Bible says there in Romans that faith comes by hearing. 
And how are they going to hear without somebody sharing their testimony? Without someone speaking the word of God in their behalf? I thank God for people who have spoke the word in my behalf. I thank God for, oh, let me see if I can remember his name. Oh, I can't remember. I need to go back and remember his name. On the football field. Now, I was a believer, but you got to understand, I went to the football game Friday night and made me relive. I mean, oh, I love that stuff, man. Friday night lights. I remember as a, I loved it. It was awesome. The Friday night football in Texas is like there's, there's heaven and then there's Friday night football. And I was reliving those days. And I'll never forget one day at practice. I'm going to remember this young man's name. He was a sold out, I think it was Assembly of God boy. I was kind of a watered down milk toast Baptist boy. And out at, during water break at practice, he gets me out on the 50 yard line out there in the middle. He said, Sam... I'm going to pray about your commitment to God. What? He irritated me to the core. But he got under my skin, man. And then a few days later, my speech teacher, Kay Ferris, who's still, she's my Facebook friend now, lives in California. She said the very same thing one day. I'm walking down the hall just days later, and I don't know if they conspired or it was the Holy Ghost. I'm walking into her class, and you know how it goes. This is, we had one hall. We're a one-hall school. I'm telling you, we weren't very big. But uh, we were, and everybody's standing out in the hall as long as they can before the tardy bell rings. And, and, and I'm walking into her class. She said, Sam, it's like E.F. Hutton. Everybody shut up. What? She, said, she said, Sam, I got something to tell you. I said, what, what do you got to tell me? She said, and then the whole, it's like the whole hall got quiet. And everybody, she said, I'm praying about your commitment to God, God, God. I'm telling you, thank God for people in our life who are willing to speak up. It's vital. Your testimony, your witness is vital to the, to the, to, to the future of humanity. Number two, let me just say it's viable. In other words, it's capable of working successfully. That worked for me. It works for me. I, I love, you know, some people think they got to go to cemetery, I mean seminary before they can share about Jesus. I think about the woman at the well. John 4, read it later. Jesus walks up into, and I love this, he became a nosy pepper. He got jalapeno her business. Jalapeno business. Some of you are slow, but you'll catch on. And he got, a, he got up all in her business. And she started trying to talk religious to him, and she, he, he didn't have nothing to do with it. He got up all in her business, and man, told her all the things she ever did. He said, go bring your husband. She went, <coughs> that's an issue. I don't have one. And he said, I know you don't. You've had five. And the one you're shacking up with now, you don't have papers on him either. He got up all in her business. Listen. Until people get the reality of where they're at, they'll never have a place they need to go. She's lost and on her way to a devil's hell. He told her all the things she ever did. You know what she did? She left her water pot, headed into town, and only the men would listen to her because all the ladies... All the men. She went back into town and she began to testify. She didn't go to Bible school. 
She just went back into town. Oh, I got to show you this. I got to show you this. She went back into town and she said, come see a man who showed me all the, told me all the things I ever did. You got to come. And so as they, as, as she began to testify, they started coming. The whole city came out and Jesus began to preach the gospel to them. One little loose woman got in touch with Jesus and all of a sudden she had a testimony. Your testimony is viable. You say, well, I'm not. Hey, you you just try it on for size. And you just see, hey, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be clean all up. And, you know, listen, you you don't clean the fish before you catch it. It's a process. And so you don't have to be perfect to begin to testify. She goes back and says, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. And you know what? They came out. Jesus began to preach. And look at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans, of that city believed in him that is Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified and all she said he told me all that I ever did your testimony is viable you don't have to be perfect you don't have to finish college finish Bible school you just start testifying. In fact, I'd rather have some, I'd rather have these kind of folk in church than people who got so religious, they just think they're all up in, you just know, you know. Come on. Your testimony, it's vital. It's viable. It'll work. Somebody say it'll work. In fact, my Bible tells me he'll give you the words to say. And number three, an effective testimony it's got to be visible. They got to see it. How many of you know we can't be hypocritical? We can't say one thing and do another, right? It's got to be visible. In fact, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, when they called the disciples in on the carpet, it says, you know, they, the religious people of the day, you know what they saw about them? It says they looked at them and they recognized that they must have been with Jesus. In other words, their testimony was not just verbal, we'll talk about that, but their testimony was visible. People have to see Jesus on the inside of us. When we walk into the crowd, and oh brother, we need to walk into the crowd. Listen, disciples don't hang around in church only. They get out into the crowd. They go fishing for other uh, other folks. That's a part of discipleship. And when people, when we walk out into a world, they've got to see Jesus in us. When's the last time someone came up to you and said, what is on you? What's going on with you? Man, you're always happy. You're always full of joy. You always got a smile on your face. And then you can just say, oh, it's just Jesus. Most people, when they see us, it's not that. It's like, what's your problem? Well, I've been to church. Hey, our testimony, it's got to be viable. It's got to be visible. And it is vital. And number four, it has to be verbal. There's no such thing as a silent witness. Look at your neighbor and say, there's no such thing as a silent witness. Tell somebody else, tell yourself, there's no such thing as a silent witness. It has to be verbal. In fact, if you go all the way back to the first verse that I gave you, Revelation 12, 11, it says, and they overcame him by the word of their testimony. That word for word means something said. It has to be said. The testimony has to be spoken. It's got to come out of your mouth. It can't just be lived by your life. It has to, hey, listen, when Jesus gets all over you, it's going to have to come out of your mouth. Come on now. 
In fact, they brought the disciples in there in Acts chapter 4 and they threatened them. They said, do never speak in Je- about Jesus again. They threatened them, but it says they couldn't do any harm to them because of the people. People, hey, thousands of people's lives had been transformed because the, the Holy Spirit being poured out and the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached. In fact, if you will look back and you'd look back at Peter's first message there in Acts chapter 2 and 3, what was he preaching? The gospel. He said, this same Jesus whom you crucified is now both Lord and Christ. He preached the gospel. And the Bible says their hearts were cut to the core. And they said, what must we do to be saved? You need to understand something about the the vocalized spoken word of God. There's power. that says it's the sword of the spirit. And it has the power to pierce between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's not just a story you're telling. It's his story you're telling. And his story will change people's lives. Amen. The gospel has got to be verbal. And they said, you know what? We hear it. We hear what you're saying. But we can't but speak the things which we've seen and heard. The New Living Translation says we can't stop telling everybody what we've seen and what we've heard. We just can't stop. Your witness, our witness has got to be verbal. Number five, it's voluntary. Now, The command to go and make disciples and share the gospel is very real. But how many of you know uh, we've got to volunteer to obey His commands? Psalm 110 says that the, the people of God will volunteer freely in the day of His power. Listen, we're living in the day of His power. And it's time we step up and begin to volunteer. And don't feel like, hey, hey, listen, somebody needs to step up and say something. Somebody needs to begin to volunteer and begin to share their story and the message of Jesus Christ. The testimony of our life, it's vital for others. It's viable. It'll work in this world that we live in. It's got to be visible. It must be verbal. But it is voluntary. The Holy Ghost is not going to come and grab your tongue and began to speak in your behalf without your willing submission. And finally today, we need to understand that this testimony that God has given us, as I've already said, is absolutely victorious. They overcame him. That is the devil, the accuser of the brethren. Split hoof, smoky horns, whatever you want to call it. He's defeated. Because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That will bring great victory in the world we live in. Amen. We've got a story to tell. And the story that God has given us, the message He's given us. Let me just ask, let's just throw this out for a second. How many of you have been delivered from some things? Amen. You've got a story to tell. How many of you know you're on your way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas? You've got a story to tell. How many of you were once dead on your way to a devil's hell and now you know you're on your way to heaven? Come on now. You've got a story to tell. How many of you used to be this, but now you're that? You get, hey, you were dead, but hey, you've got a story to tell. We've all got a story to tell. How many of you know your story continues, but guess what? It's time to tell your story. Let's stand today. Let's stand together. And as we conclude this series, may it be the beginning of a whole new level of victory. We've got weapons to use. And the one we talked about today is the weapon of our witness for Christ. And the great part about our witness 
We've got an anointing on the Holy, of the Holy Spirit to help us. He'll help us. This week, listen, here's what we're going to pray. Oh, let's just get, let's get more bold than that. How about even Monday? How many of you be willing to pray that Monday God would give you someone to tell about Jesus Christ? Let's believe that God would give us an inroad to someone's life. Beverly, we're going to be traveling Monday, but somewhere in our journey, let's believe together that God would give us an open door somewhere to share the word of the Lord. And how about Tuesday? Let's do the same thing. How about let's begin to believe that every day God would be God and we would be his children and we would open our mouth wide and begin to do our part and see people born again because of the power of the word of God. Father, today we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for what you've done for us on the cross. And we stand on the shoulders of the resurrected Christ. The price he paid for us. We stand today because of what you've done, Lord. Lord, let us do our part today. I'm going to ask everyone, this may sound, sound odd to you, but if, if you would lay your hand on your mouth and just say, Lord, open my mouth to begin to speak the word of the Lord to a world that so desperately needs Christ. Come on. Let's go ahead and do it. Lord, give us give us a word. Give us a way and a means. <clears throat> Anoint our tongues today, Lord, with the word of the Lord. Lord, let the story, let the testimony, let the witness began to be made manifest. And Father, as we pray this prayer, I pray as the pastor of this church that everyone hearing my voice today would begin to listen to your voice and begin to look for the opportunity to speak up. For Lord, our testimony is vital. And Lord, our testimony is viable. It'll work. If it worked for the little woman at the well, Lord, it'll work for us. Lord, let it be visible, but Lord, let it be vocal. Today, we willingly volunteer our tongue, volunteer our lives as a witness unto you. And we thank you that we are victorious. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen.